You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. It's been so long in pre-season, the longest pre-season in the world. Not only can I say we're broadcasting out of our new studios at FNR, they're four-year new, and uh, I get excited every time we come back in because we've been locked down for so long. Mm. It you feels know, new um, every time we walk into the studio. Wait till I tell our guest he's locking. actually going to be talking to the people who uh, are, uh, are the citizens of the lockdown capital of the world. Can you believe it? Uh, hey. I always thought Middle Earth or New Zealand had a special place in the world. But wait till I tell our <laughs> guest, Jason Pine. Uh, mate, welcome to Victoria. Welcome to FNR. And can you believe it? Uh, we're going to talk about something that's had a fantastic holiday for about five and a half months. We're going to talk footy. Yeah, amazing. Great to be with you, boys. Look, uh, I mean, uh, nothing I like talking about more than football. As you say, the off-season is interminably long, isn't it? And we try to find stories here and there and any scarec of information we can find about transfers or, you know, or, or player news or, you know, God forbid, injuries in the off-season. But now we can talk about some actual games. We're back. We're back. Uh, Jason, I thought you were going to spend that five and a half months looking for another Mexican. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the one we had before was pretty good at Wellington Phoenix. Early Da Villa, yeah, Johnny Warren medalist, of course, um, plucked out of, I won't say obscurity, because he'd had a couple of uh, couple of clubs, the likes of Chelsea and others, before Ufuk Tele picked him up. But, um, yeah, he was very good for, for Wellington, wasn't he? And, and a big loss to the team. Uh, interesting quirk of the draw that the Da Villa derby was first up the other night when um, his new side, MacArthur, um, hosted, I guess you'd say hosted in inverted commas, uh, Wellington, and uh, look, I thought um, the Knicks did a pretty good job on him. Actually, he had the odd odd chance to, to shine, but I guess it's a you know if anyone's going to know how to shut him down, it's Ufuk Tele, and I think they did a pretty good job. I mean, what is it about these new expansion A League sides that keep poaching Wellington Phoenix players? They're vultures. <laughs> It was like Western United, wasn't it? They took took the coach, the couple, couple of players. And, um, yeah, look, I think in some ways it's a bit of a feather in the cap for Wellington and that, you know, players like, um, you know, like Davila and uh, who else do we have? Um, uh, Philip, Cur- Philip Curto, Hemed, obviously yeah. gone to yeah. Western yeah. Sydney. Yeah, I mean, that they've played in a team which has allowed them to showcase their abilities. And uh, yeah, the downside of that for Wellington, obviously, is that they get their heads turned by um, by, by bigger clubs on the other side of the Tasman. But look, Ufuk is a great recruiter. I don't think he's had a dud, certainly in the international players that he signed. So when January rolls around, guys, let's hope that he can uh, weave his magic again and bring another couple of international uh, players of good repute to the club. Spot on. Um, I've got to say, I concur 100% about the coach, your man, your manager. Uh, f- just before he was anointed, uh, there was th- there was enormous uh, negativity being sprouted that you'd lost the man who had given you such a lift. Now he's come in, and from that day, it, you know, as low as the club had got, as low as the the ratings or the you know the 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 um, uh, the number of metrics. mentions, yeah, metrics. the metrics, very metrics. good, yep. very yep. good. The magic David Gallup uh, <laughs> Sky Sports metric knows these things. Uh, yes, the metrics. Uh, from that moment on, he's done nothing but lift everything, and he's lifted the way they play. He's not shirked a challenge. And in fact, I, I, I think we touched on it beforehand, before we started today. I said to you, every obstacle, he's made a challenge. And, and, and when you turn that language around, then you allow players to, 
to feel the positivity. And they've just joined him on this journey. And my goodness, what a journey it's been. They were, they were told you'd been banished to Wollongong. N- not only is that not a Maori word, right? Uh, it's in Australia, mainland, they've, they've actually brought their families over or, uh, for a little while and they've, they've actually fitted in like it was their normal base of, of operations. I've been so impressed, so impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I have too, George, and and I think you know adversity sometimes can well can do one of two things, can't it? It can yep. really affect a team, or it can bring out the best in a team. And and I think under Rufuk Tale, what Wellington have managed to do is to um, to pinch a um, to pinch a line from a poem that I was um, was uh, alluded to recently. He's turned stumbling blocks into stepping stones, and, and you know and done it brilliantly. You know, as you say, obstacles have have been put in his way, and he's found a way around them. And and you're right, when Mark Rudan left the football club one year into a two-year deal, a lot of people were, you know, were um, wondering, you know, what would happen to the club next? Um, you know, we knew Ufuk Tale, we knew who he was as a player and as an assistant coach with Sydney FC under Stevie Corica, but beyond that, we didn't really know too much about his coaching credentials, but from day one, his recruitment has been spot on, as I say. Uh, tactically, he's um, he's extremely astute and I actually had the opportunity to talk to Ufuk earlier today, and one thing he's also now very, very keen to banish is any thought that Wellington are underdogs now, that they're a team that are just making up the numbers, that that when you come up against Wellington, you should have an easy three points. He says, well, he said it in rather colourful language, but he said, you know, no, bugger that. That's not that's not us anymore. We are now a, a team that every time we go out, we're looking for three points. Teams should come to Wollongong mm. or Wellington when that opportunity arises and fear the, um, you know, the challenge that they're going to face. So, you know, I love the way he's turned things around, the language he uses and, and the players he's brought through and the style of football that he encourages them to play. Well, it wouldn't be A-League preseason without most uh, mainland Australian pundits writing off the Wellington Phoenix, would it? I mean, no. they, they live as underdogs. That's been their identity. And, I mean, we like to joke about something on here at the station, uh, the name recognition index, uh, which seems to colour all preconceptions uh, before you actually see a team on the park. And Wellington have gone very local and very young with their recruitment, flown under the radar yet again. But do you think they'll, they'll cause some upsets again this season and push for finals? Well, yeah, it'll be tougher than last season, Josh, um, because of the players they've lost. You know, in Davila and Hamed, once he came right in the second half of the season, Cam Devlin, who, I mean, what a revelation he was mm. when he when he came to Wellington. Stevie Taylor's gone now, of course. So they've lost some big players. They've lost a spine of players. Taylor, Devlin, Davila and Hamed, you know, stripped that right out straight away. So, yeah, mm. so look, I, I think, as you've said, they have gone under the radar for that reason because they don't have any big names. Only two imports. Um, Gary Hooper's come back to the club to join David Ball. So just the two Englishmen there, uh, that may change in January, of course. But what uh, Ufox had to do is rely largely on, in fact, almost entirely on New Zealand and Australian players. But you look at the first 11 mm. and it ain't too bad. You know, there's a bit of spark mm. there. Hooper and Ball, Reno Piscopo, Piscopo I thought yeah. was exceptional at the end of last season and, and really was knocking on the door of a Socceroos call-up. So, I mean, he's obviously got big boots to fill with Davila gone. A couple of new youngsters 
into the side who people haven't heard of, but they hadn't heard of Libby Kakachi either or Sapreet Singh before they came along, or Ben Wayne. And Ben Old is a new player, um, a young player with a, an old surname, um, who is the next uh, one off that production line at Wellington Phoenix's Academy. So, yeah, chances uh, will be there for younger players. If they suffer a couple of injuries, guys, then things might get a little bit uh, more difficult for them because the depth just isn't there yet. But, um, look, the first 11 will give um, will give teams a good go. Will they push for finals? It's probably a coin toss, but mm. as we know from watching the A-League, anything can happen. Who would have predicted the table last year or the year before or the year before that? Nobody. Nobody. Mm. Uh, we're talking to Jason Pine from Sky Sports in New Zealand, uh, who's been uh, blessed with the fact that Sky Sports has picked up the the contract to to cover the game and, of course, his Wellington Phoenix. Uh, what's the, the word in the streets in Auckland, in Wellington and so on? How do New Zealanders feel? about this band of nomads, this band of brothers who are, you know, doing them proud, playing some really good football. I think they're proud of them, George. I, I think there's a, a huge degree of pride and, and admiration at what Wellington have done to, to you know, to basically now head off for what will be effectively a third season uh, away from home. You know, when COVID hit, we were about halfway through uh, the 1920 season. They, they played the back half of that season over there. All of last season, apart from those two games back in New Zealand, and, you know, with, with government uh, announcements in the last couple of days, it's looking very likely as though there'll be only two or three games back at home this season. And so there's a huge amount of admiration for what they've done. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, we'd love to see our football team in the flesh. Mm. You know, you know, you can watch them on television as much as you like, but there's nothing like getting along to a game, watching them play, whipping your shirt off after 80 <laughs> minutes. Not, not that I do that in the combox, very impartial. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, seeing your team up close, and we're not going to get many chances to do that again, unfortunately. The minute you said we love seeing it in the flesh, I knew where you were going. <laughs> uh, there's nothing I, I've got to say. It, it's it's as a as a super sports fan, there's nothing more exciting than seeing f- fans, supporters really get into it. And it's minus seven in 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 Auckland or Wellington, wherever they were playing last year. The yep. the last two games that you got twenty six thousand, twenty five thousand, twenty four, just remarkable. And that was affirmation for me that this. This team of, of, of footballers have done very well, thank you very much. And, yeah. the, and the towns and the fans of New Zealand had got up and said, you know what, we're going to put our arms around you. They, they played some good football. And how yeah. unlucky they were, Not I thought if they'd gone one more step, maybe if they hadn't started so poorly in that first five games of last season, they may well have been uh, that really difficult team in the finals that you don't want to play. Yeah, and, and that's been um, the Phoenix's uh, downfall in the last two the, or three seasons, the actually. It's the start. Mm. The start, you're right, because, I mean, you'll know. I mean, they, they were 11 games unbeaten at the end of last season um, and, and nearly made up that Grand George another game, and you're right, they probably would have. Their last game was against MacArthur um, out at uh, Campbelltown, and you know, I, I was lucky enough to be at that game. I was in Australia, just happened to be over there, and, and, and if you'd been a neutral, turned up to that game and watched the game and someone had said, okay, one of these teams is in the final, and one of them isn't, you would have picked the Phoenix all day long as the one that was in the finals. They played brilliantly that night. Uh, you know, sure, MacArthur knew they were secure in the finals, so rested a couple of players. But the, the point stands, I think, that they were playing some really, really good football. So, look, they're, they're back. They they will have learned a lot from last season in terms of living in Australia. They, they've they they've changed locations slightly. They'll still play their games at Wollongong, but they're living closer, um, closer up towards the, the centre of town. And... Um, uh, 
up in, in Sydney and or, or not far. I think Chatswood is where they are. And um and that's they'll travel down. Sydney. That's that's yeah, north, north, yeah. That's north on the northern Sydney, side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so you know they've they've learned a few things and look again, I think it'll be a big ask. A big ask to mm. compete with some of these these teams that have recruited really well and you look at some of these rosters and you think, man, there's some footballers to look forward to there. But Having said that, MacArthur are a good roster and the Phoenix played well against them the other night. So let's just see how the season plays out. Is there an element with the buzz last season and those massive crowds uh, that were in the last couple of games when finally the fans got to attend some home games? Is there an element of the old, you know, Joni Mitchell line, you don't know what you've got till it's gone? (laughs) Or do you think, you know, if the Wellington Phoenix finally do return to home permanently, that, that, uh, I guess, that uh, bandwagon will continue? You hope so, eh, Josh? Because you think you know, if if twenty five, twenty six thousand can turn up um, on a on a you know, on any given night, then you think, well, why can't they turn up every week? You know, it's that whole "where were you before" mm. kind of thing. Mm. Um, but but as we know, scarcity is a you know scarcity is a, a powerful driver. Yeah. Um, Wellington fans knew they would only have one game. Auckland fans knew they would only have one game, so they turned up to it, and, and the results were spectacular in terms of the scenes that you guys would have seen on television, and we got the chance to see up close. Um, look, I, I think you know, yeah, to coin another phrase absence does make the heart grow fonder mm. and uh, and not being there certainly uh, whetted the appetite of the fans when they could be there so yeah, when they get home uh, when and not if when they get home I think you'll see similar scenes um, at the back end of this season and then let's hope for the following season we just go back to normal it's home and away and uh, and we get some sort of you know five-figure crowds on a regular basis over here. Uh, Jason Pine uh, have I neglected to mention that New Zealand are part of a women's world cup and we're inside two years now. And Rebecca Stott, who I think has been an absolute out-and-out champion, not only for New Zealand, but for my Melbourne city, um, she's back. She's looking good. She's, she's carrying one of these brand-new do's that's starting to make an impression. Um, what's the story there? How, how is the buzz going? Uh, are you in World Cup um, buzz yet or not? Has it yeah, not started? No, we, we are. And tomorrow, actually, um, at uh, Sky Stadium in Wellington, uh, it's the launch of the legacy program on this side of the Tasman. So this is obviously, the, as the name would suggest, the, the legacy that they hope to leave for the tournament. And that'll be a lot about, of course, growing numbers and, and uh, you know, the greater good of the game. So, you know, we're starting to feel that buzz just on Rebecca Stott. What a story. Mm. Man, what an absolute story that is, you know, from the from adversity to, to now, as you say, being back and uh, and kicking the ball around. The football ferns, our, our women's side are actually about to play two matches against South Korea. Uh, she hasn't been selected in that squad, but it won't be uh, too long before they call on her again. And, and she's just been inspirational. But look, and, and let's not forget as well, George, the women's Wellington Phoenix side now is also about to embark on their new adventure. They play their first game next Friday as part of a double header. So, you know, the women's game is thriving, as we know, right around the world, particularly in Australasia. And now finally in Wellington, we have a, a women's team to, to play alongside our men's team. So, yeah, so two teams to, uh, to cheer on every week. And, and again, we hope that they get home for some games as well. You know, the, the one thing um, as a sports lover, you, you tend to pick up very quickly is when you see a country and a nation that has a spirit about it when it comes to sport. We know about the infamous All Blacks. Sorry, the famous All Blacks. Um, I, I still revel in 1986 when Kenny Wright, the Ramwick 5'8", led the charge and absolutely obliterated the All Blacks at Eden Park. I think it was the last time that the Wallabies ever 
one at Eden Park. Anyway, that's, that's a long right, time George, back. Good memory. Yeah, yeah long, thank long you. time a, ago. As good a Ramwick yeah. man, I can't forget those golden <laughs> moments. But but I've noticed the, the, the diamonds, your netball teams, at, at every time they venture out on the court, they want to win the world title. Um, uh, your, your All Blacks are, uh, when they're not losing the occasional game to France, and that comes every <laughs> eight years or something, um, yep. they are remarkable. And, and I'm, I'm getting a feeling that New Zealand's going to get right behind the women and we're going to see a, mag- a truly magnificent tournament with an outstanding turnout for opening game, which should be quite something. And it'll be the sort of spark we need to set 2023, the Women's World Cup, alight. Yeah, I look, I totally agree. And I know, we all know over here how good Australian fans are at supporting their teams and, and hosting big events. And look, I still remember, you know, the Sydney Olympics in 2000 mm. and, and the amazing scenes there. And, and you know, I still recall Cathy Freeman winning that gold medal and just the, you know, just those, those scenes. No pressure. No yeah, pressure. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so look, I, I believe that, that New Zealand will, as I know Australia will, really get behind this tournament. Um, Sarai Barriman, the, uh, the head of the women's game at FIFA, is a Kiwi. And uh, I've had the opportunity to speak to her a couple of times, and you can just feel the excitement in her voice. And she says, look, people there don't realise how big this is going to be. And, and with a couple of years to go, there's still a lot of planning to do, and there's you know a bit of time to flow before we get to 2023. But when it arrives, and in the months leading up to it. I honestly believe it really is going to be a quite spectacular occasion and and, and let's hope that both of our countries, so uh, we know Australia will, the Matildas have been wonderful um, you know, wonderful, uh, wonderful team for a long time. Our Ferns, a bit of work to do, but let's hope both teams can have really successful tournaments and, and the crowds really do flock along to these games. Well, before 2023 comes 2022 and the road there too. And there was a report in New Zealand media recently that FIFA was considering changing the format of these playoffs that, of course, New Zealand, we've left them behind in Oceania, are still still beholden to. Changing it to a one-legged game in a neutral venue, which I think would uh, absolutely end up being played in the Middle East, how would this affect New Zealand's chances of getting to another World Cup? I, oddly enough, Josh, I don't, I don't mind that as a as a path to the World Cup. Um, you know, we we've uh, in the intercontinental uh, playoff era, we've made it once and failed twice. We beat Bahrain over two legs to make 2010. Mexico was too big a step for us mm. uh, 2014, and Peru, while there was a goalless draw in the first leg, second leg in Lima was was always going to be tough, and and uh, so. A neutral venue and a one-off game takes away a couple of things. First of all, a hostile crowd mm. um, wherever we end up going, if, if we're lucky enough to go. Um, and, the, and the second thing is it takes away the travel between the two places. Both teams just have to get to Qatar or wherever it might be. And over 90 minutes, I wonder whether New Zealand might back themselves to beat uh, a, a nation that is almost inevitably going to be ranked higher than us uh, rather than across 180 minutes. The downside is that yeah, we don't get those occasions in New Zealand anymore, and they were magnificent occasions against Bahrain, Mexico and Peru. And the National Association of New Zealand Football misses out on a massive slice of revenue from ticket sales and oh. also from broadcast rights because you sell the broadcast rights back to Mexico and Peru and they're talking big money there. So, yeah, so that's the downside. But to answer the initial question, I don't mind it as a, as a path to... Qatar. So uh, on Saturday morning, actually, we find out who gets drawn with who. So we know Oceania are in there. Fifth placed Asia, fourth placed CONCACAF, fifth placed South America. Our big hope over here is that Australia finish fifth in Asia and we get a playoff against you guys. 
That would be <laughs> incredible. I mean, an ANSAC test series, just what we needed. <laughs> just the one game. Oh, just the one 90 minute game, George. Oh, God. Well, you I, mean, want to, it's, it's, I, I, I remember when I started broadcasting, I had jet black hair. Look at it now. <laughs> Look at it it's now. It's like that that are at fault, you think? <laughs> yes. Too ma- way too many of those, uh, you know, dates that have taken a toll on me. And, um, you know, but, but you're absolutely right. Can you imagine not only the consternation, but the anticipation? Mm. Yeah? yeah. Well, it's and the centenary look, of the Socceroos next sh- year, and James Johnson wants to play a friendly against New Zealand. He might not have to organise one after all. Have you told him there's going. no such thing as a friendly? <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and, we, and, and it's so odd, isn't it? We play each other so infrequently. I think the last time might have been 2011. Mm. Um, I know we played each other in the lead-up to the World Cup uh, in 2010 uh, in Melbourne at the MCG. Was lucky enough to be there for that one. And then Adelaide the following year, um, I think James Troisi got a goal um, for, for Australia to win that one, either 3-1 or 2-1. My memory's failing me, but I don't think we've played you since then. Ten years is a long time. It's only three hours across the ditch. You think we could organise something? You know something? Um, I, I want to talk to you about this um, deal that Sky Sports have done. Do you get the exact uh, coverage that we are getting through what is Paramount Plus, CBS, Viacom and Channel 10? We get, uh, yeah, in terms of the game coverage, yes, we do. We get um, we get the commentary, obviously, Simon Hill and uh, and Teo the other night and, and all of the others. And so, Robbie yeah, Thompson getting, and so on. Yeah, we, yep. yeah, we get that. We had Robbie's uh, commentary of the of the Phoenix game against MacArthur the other night. So we're getting all of that. We're getting some of the, the pre- and post-game shows as well. A good innovation, though, well, it's a good innovation, I think, for, for fans over here, is that for Wellington Phoenix home games, you know, meaning games in Wollongong, um, we're going to provide the commentary for that. So on Saturday, um, listeners here in New Zealand, or viewers in New Zealand um, will hear myself and uh, a new man alongside, former All-White and Phoenix goalkeeper Jacob Spoonley are going to be calling that game for the New Zealand audience. So nothing against the Australian guys, of course, but it just, I think, creates that link, um, you know, with the Phoenix mm. while they're away. Absolutely. Still some Kiwi voices calling it. And so we hope to do them justice in, um, in those, uh, in inverted commas, home games uh, while they're playing at Wollongong. And you're also included in the media hub called uh, Keep Up. Yes, indeed. Yep, we're, we're there as well. It's um, look, it, it's an exciting time, guys, isn't it? You know, for for football everywhere, and I, I think probably you know, like you, I've been really impressed with um, with what the the A leagues have have done in terms of promoting themselves. And there's a lot of social media buzz. There's a I know over there, there's been a lot of cross promotion with Channel Ten, etc. So look, it, it's you know, it feels like a new dawn, um, and and there's a lot of momentum and excitement behind it. So long may it continue. I say because you know there's plenty of football to look forward to with the the a league and the a leagues both you know men and women world cup qualifying for you guys and for us uh women's world cup a couple of years away um a feast to enjoy and it, it feels like a good time to be involved in the game i'm looking at the comments here there's some questions that have come through for you jason i don't know whether this is inc- incredibly obscure or not because i don't follow the new zealand leagues but uh uh, our Fijian footballers uh, aficionado has asked about Brian Kaltak from Auckland City. Do you think he should be looked at more? Yeah, a really good player, Brian Keltak. Uh, he's played for Auckland City for many years. And in fact, when Stephen Taylor left, um, I, I kind of jotted down four or five names of players playing locally who I thought could step into his boots uh, because, of course, getting international players in was going to be very difficult. And Brian Keltak was the guy at the top of my list. Really, really good player. 
um, composed, uh, a start, strong defender, good in the air, gets up at set pieces and, and scores goals. I'm not sure why he wasn't looked at, really, because he's been one of the best, uh, not just defenders, but players going around our National League for a long, long time. So, yeah, I, I don't know whether he was approached or not approached. I'm not sure what the situation is. But, well, we all know what happened with Roy Krishna. You know, mm. he was a guy who we plucked um, out of out of playing in the National League in New Zealand, and he became the club's all-time leading goal scorer, 51 goals, and now he's off making millions in India. So, um, yeah, Keltec's uh, a guy who I think they possibly could have taken a chance on. It's always exciting when you see a player come along out of nowhere or it's se- seemingly out of nowhere and they have that spark, that's something about them, whether it's their timing, whether they're poised or whether, or whether they s- sort of do things a bit differently. Like uh, Robbie, Robbie Thompson talked the other day that he thought Piscopo had done the wrong thing on the edge of the box. He thought he should pass it to the player running outside him. But he turned, and in that turn, he confused the defender. And, of course, from that mm. became the penalty. So I love players who do something a bit different, who think a bit different. And it's exciting. Yeah, I think all teams need them, don't they, George? You yeah. know, you, you look around the league and, and they're the ones who get the, the crowd sort of leaning forward in their seat a little bit. When the ball arrives at their feet, you know, something might happen. Davila was like that for Wellington last season and I'm sure will be the same again for MacArthur this season. Uh, Diamante at Western oh, United. Uh, yeah. Piscopo uh, is another great example. He just has got such quick feet and there are many others around the league as well. But yeah, and it's good to see those players in the league because, you know, you I mean, I watch I watch every game and, and, and I enjoy watching, you know, I don't care if it's, you know, Newcastle against Adelaide or Melbourne City against, you know, Western Sydney Wanderers or whatever it is. I watch them all. Um, but I know that the the more discerning fan, um, you know, will tune in to see players like that. And, and, you know, we love seeing them lighting up our football fields. Well, we've got uh, Robbie Thompson, who's now part of the commentary team, joining us after we finish with you. And um, what I've got to remind you of is a golden moment a lifetime ago, it seems now, when there was a team in the A-League called Melbourne Heart, and there was this six and a half foot or six foot nine and a half, I think he was, Orlando Engler. He came out and in the preseason broke a leg. It took him an eternity to get fit because that's what happens with people who are never se- nearly seven foot tall. Mm. But when he came back, he scored a 54-yard goal out of nowhere. And the goalkeeper to this day is still flapping his arms, <laughs> thinking, why did he ever think about doing that? Because they think a little bit outside the square. They have that poise, that presence of mind. And you've seen it in all sports, I'm sure, uh, Jason. And it's the most exhilarating thing, isn't it? Yeah, X Factor, I think they call it, yeah. don't they? That's another cliche, but you're right. I remember Inglas' goal, actually, you know, looked up, even to even to think about it, let alone try it, let alone execute. Yeah. You know, yeah, wonderful stuff and kind of thing that gets replayed over and over again. It's, um, yeah, any goal from halfway is uh, is something to remember. <laughs> and, yeah, look, I remember Inglas extremely well. I think got a couple of goals against Wellington, actually, so um, he probably did against most teams. So, um, yeah, hopefully we see many more of his, you know, of his ilk. You know, he walked into uh, one of the AFL clubs to use the hyperbaric chamber when he was still injured. And he walked in, stripped down, and the, and the AFL boys, who think a lot of themselves were nonplussed, could not believe the cut and, the, and the, this figure. It looked like he'd been cut out of stone. So, you know, it, he was a remarkable player, and we didn't see enough of him. 
Uh, he spent yeah. too much time on injury. Listen, you've been magnificent. Uh, we wish you a tremendous season of calling. Uh, good luck with Sky Sports in New Zealand. And keep us abreast of what's happening with both the women's and, of course, I'm sure we'll have more uh, about the, uh, the emergence of this one or two extra stars that Ufuk might, might ply and find in January when the transfer window opens up again. Yeah, such a pleasure talking to you guys. Always love it. Keep uh, you know, keep promoting the beautiful game. And, uh, yeah, always uh, always happy to chat at any time. See you soon. Jason Pine. We'll go give a short break and come back with Robbie Done. Thompson. Thank you very much, mate. All the very best. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. George Danikian, Josh Parrish, and joining us via Zoom in this magic world of ours, uh, Robbie Thompson. Uh, Robbie, we were just talking to Jason Pine, uh, who works for Sky Sports in New Zealand. Uh, We've been talking Wellington Phoenix. We've been talking about the Women's World Cup. We've talked about a, a, a number of things, and certainly there's been a buzz around the game. And I wonder, is that one of the reasons why you've returned from overseas, where you've spent, I suppose the last, what, 15 years rubbing shoulders with some of the biggest names in the game? Um, it, it was exactly for that reason. Just because, like, like all of us that love football, no matter what, that starts at home. And, uh, and that's something that I always thought was, was so important that people watch. And I, it's a little hypocritical to say this, considering I left in, in 2000 to go and be closer to it what I imagined was, was incredible professional football, which, which it was, I had an incredible journey, um, over 21 years, but always somewhere in the back of my mind was, was to come back and, and relive a little bit of what I lived when I was a a teenager and going, I mean, I, I grew up in Canberra. I was watching the Canberra cosmos when they started going and watching your local soccer. I was always playing. I moved to Melbourne. I went and watched the NSL and then, Eventually, for me, the path led me overseas in, in my job to do what I do. But um, no, I always wanted to come back. And when I, I, I spent two years at Fox back in um, 2011 to 2013, I left again and I saw that it was struggling. And then with this new deal, and I spoke to a lot of people, I spoke to a lot of people in Europe, a lot of people here about what they thought the vibe was like. And whether this was the moment, it was a good moment for me, I felt. And, uh, and so everyone said, look, it's all happening. We're going to try and build something new. It's a new start and everything. And, yeah, I wanted to be a part of it. You know, it's interesting listening to you talking uh, about something that you've loved and have a huge passion for. And that gives me enormous uh, filler because that's the sort of thing I want to hear in any field of endeavour. Yeah, if you're an absolutely. architect, if you don't love what you do, why are you doing it? If you're an artist if you, and you don't like, you know, whatever that art is and you don't want to, you know, it's a drudge, get out of it. Uh, to hear you saying, I, I, I love this game, but I left. Well, I understand why you left. Uh, I was part of uh, something very special at the very beginning at SBS, but I had to leave so that it could improve. It's in, in, a, in a strange sort of way. I remember saying to someone, if I had never left SBS, there'd be no Mary Costakides. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they look at me kind yeah. of funny. And they don't realise the politics of the day, the way we were thinking. You know, since you've been away, this country has changed in a myriad of different ways. And here we are, you come back, just as 
one of the mainstream uh, uh, television stations that was once owned by Rupert Murdoch, now owned by CBS Viacom, who are huge uh, uh, supporters of the American women's team. They've uh-huh. seen how the game... And, of course, America, in a couple of years' time after Qatar, they're the next cab on the rank. It's going to be a huge event there. And they're getting in here, and they're putting some skin in the game. And that's when I thought, and I said to the boys here, uh, guys, this is different. Mm. This is going to be different. Yes, it's not perfect yet. It's like everything, though. You've got to put that moment and say, this is where we start. Now everyone starts to realise that that's the bare minimum. And from now on, it's got to be better. Last night, you were in one of those wonderful havens of football. Uh-huh. It was Sydney Olympic, my team. Actually, it was Panhellenic when I, when I was playing. <laughs> then it became Sydney Olympic under John Constantine and others. And they were playing the latest and the best in the A-League, and that was Sydney. And the, the conditions, you can tell us, because you were there. Miserable, I bet, huh? Yeah, but it was great. That's what, I mean, that's what it's all about. And the fans were there. There were probably four and a half thousand. This guy's a caller. This guy loves to call football. He was calling Hand of Elvis. Hand (laughs) of Elvis. Yeah, well, and it's, but they're all part of the stories, Mm. aren't they? I mean, I felt a little bit bad because I felt bad for, and I said it in the commentary, it was a two-goal buffer, but if it became a one-goal buffer, yeah, you know, and it was, and sometimes we forget. I was with Daniel Georgievsky, and and he's he grew up in in that as well in the, before before the A League, and we were and we were we were joking a little bit about the Suvlaki and about because I played in Melbourne with a Greek team, and I used to go and watch South Melbourne play, and all of this was. And I used to, we'd go and play against a Croatian side or a Serbian side and we'd, the smells and the, all the different food, you'd play against a Chilean side, it was different. <laughs> I mean, it was Italians. It was, for me, as a, you know, Anglo-Aussie whose dad sells cars and mum's a ballet teacher, this was a whole new world mm. in, in Canberra. And I went to uni and studied Italian because of it and watching Serie A and all it, it was just beautiful and, and it all came back. And so we were chatting so much about it last night just because that nostalgia, mm. we, we do lose it in football. And I know very well because I've spent the last 10 years at, at a, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Paris and I've Saint-Germain. seen how there is, yeah, with PSG. And there's not a whole lot of room for nostalgia, okay. not inside a big club, not inside a – It's and it's a business. Mm. It's a business mm. and – and I learned to appreciate that in a whole new way because the fans can be nostalgic and the fans have to be nostalgic because that's why football is so big. Bravo. But if you're running a club, if you're working inside a club, look, look at Sydney FC, who are the most stable, who are there week in, week out, years, season after season. Look at the big sides in Europe. They do it because... It's super professional. Mm. It's incredibly professional to the nth degree. And, yes, we call the players mercenaries. Yes, we say it's big business. It's modern football. Mm. Look, it was always probably that way a little bit, you know. The best, best, you put the money there, you got the best players. And so, for me, it was nice. There was a nice mix of nostalgia and and the modern game last night. The weather was miserable, but, you know, that just adds to the occasion. 
And look, it was great. It was it was fantastic, and that's you know for me that's what football is is all about. Robbie, the week before it was South Melbourne against Melbourne City, and yeah. the weather was just as bad. <laughs> and and uh, and we and yet we still saw a magnificent free kick that took the full height of Tom Glover at uh, absolute uh, as far as he can go to keep it out. So yeah. you know you saw the some dynamic talent from a lower yeah, tier, yeah. tier team, and I and I reminded people last night on on uh, on Twitter, and I said to them, "Hey guys, part timers against full timers, don't yeah. don't sell South, uh, you know South Melbourne or for that matter Sydney Olympic short." What they did last night was remarkable because, uh, uh, Robbie, you'll tell us the competition has been finished. In the in the NPL for how long? Months, months. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. how months do you keep months. how do you keep them buoyed? How do you keep them up? How do you keep them competitive? And that sharp edge. And this is the difficulty of trying to. Well, COVID has played an evil hand here because these games were meant to be played eviler than Elvis's. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you, you touched on the the, the Elvis one. Um, here's the comment that um, uh, that R- Josh mentioned before we started today, because I said to him, oh, we've got to talk about the hand of Elvis. He says, yeah. you know what? <laughs> he said, what happens if there was VAR? Yeah? We complain about VAR all the time, and then when the VAR's not around, we yeah, complain exactly. that there was no VAR. But, exactly. But, but, you know, the extra goal that they scored that made it 4-2, they, they scored that because they were ahead. Would they yeah. have done? Would they have been as adventurous or brave? Probably, but we can't. Or would Olympic sure. have been pushing so far forward? Yes, yes. You know? Yeah. No, no. It's a, if it was if it was two two still. Whoa. That's a that's a very different last five minutes of the match. Penalty no, no, shootout, that, Robbie Thompson. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, Robbie <laughs> Tom, Tom, Thomas. Tell us um, what is the role of the modern day commentator then? So for me, the role has always been what it's always been. And I grew up listening to, to well, on, on SBS, on ABC, we had the English football on a yep. Monday night match of the day. Yep. And then the Italian football arrived with Peter Brackley, with Martin Tyler, um, watching that on a Sunday morning. There were our guys with, with, with Les and, and Johnny commentating the, the young Socceroos, that yep. type of thing, those incredible tournaments. Um, and I don't think it's changed that much, has it, from 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 back then, the way we commentate. For me, a commentator is is to be, and this is a trying to mix up a, a, a metaphor or a proverb, is to be heard but not seen insofar as I'm just there to help the viewer enjoy the football match. One yeah. thing that, that always frustrated me watching football back in the old days, in the NSL days, and one of the reasons maybe why, and I've tried to work out why I left, but one of the reasons was no one knew who the players were in the NSL. Mm. No one, you know, we had fantastic players. We had Paul Trimboli at South Melbourne, who was Star. A, an incredible footballer. And no one knew him. And we all knew Les and Johnny, Yeah, yeah. which is good, which you need those, those heads of, of your, your juggernaut. But no one knew the players' names. And for me, that's what the commentator is there to do. You have to you have to talk, you have to give a bit of a you know, a bit of music, a bit of emotion, a bit of nostalgia and everything. But you have to help the viewer understand what they're watching. And that means understand the players' names, help them identify who is doing something well, but not impose, not not tell them what I think. I 
I've got a consultant next to me, a pundit, who can analyze, give a bit of analysis and say that. My role is literally just to make the thing go smoothly, to, you know, to make the viewing experience as enjoyable and as inobtrusive as possible and have at the end of the game, I hope, people think, oh, wow, that was pretty fun, actually. When we Brilliant. had, when we, when I was at SBS, we had Hugh Johns come down under, and I yeah. spent a few weeks listening and watching him work. And he would go to every training session, and he yeah. would he would go and find out how they pronounced their name, uh, who their mother and father was, uh, what sort of things the parents had done, and he would ask. He would go out and wander around the the, the club rooms mm-hmm. and talk to those who'd been part of the fabric of that club for a lifetime. And he would use some of those little drops, those golden drops, in the in that game cast when when mm-hmm. when it was time to call the game, and that was the level of uh, investment that he was pay- he was paying and putting in. And that to me is some of the magic. That yeah, is some absolutely. of the magic. Absolutely, and, but it's and great with if that we in can... mind, I yeah. want you to reach in now. You were part of Paris Saint Germain. You were part of that opportunity to, to speak mm-hmm. to guys or interview guys like Zlatan. Now, we all have an opinion of Zlatan. He's a, he's a, he's a remarkable, larger than life character. What's he like to interview? Legend. <laughs> Come on. Only thing you can Come say on, about Zlatan. He's just a legend. We had, and, and I can tell you the, the funny stories. Basically, he was king. He was the king of Paris Saint Germain. Um, when he arrived and, and when I arrived, basically I arrived, they, they, I was, I was in Australia when PSG called me cause I'd been working on and off for them for years before I, I came back in 2011 and they called me and said, look, we, we need a TV show. We're going full-time international. The Qataris are here. We want you to make the TV show, voice it. And we'd also like you to interview our players and stuff because we've got some that don't speak, you know, you speak French and, and English. That would be great. So I went in there with, with Zlatan, first up and just he was surprised that they had someone finally speaking English. So we got on perfectly right from the start. So there was no problem there. He was good mates with a a Brazilian called Maxwell who'd followed him and played with him at Ajax and at Barca and at Inter. And um, I got on really well and still do with, with Max, who's a, who's a great guy. So that helped. So Zlatan was always good with me until, and this was a, this was the moment where Zlatan, went off on one. There was a, we lost a game in Bordeaux and he was walking off and going, France is a bleep, bleep, bleep country that doesn't deserve PSG. The referees here are bleep, 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 bleep. And the whole country just went, what? what, what? Who is this arrogant bleep, bleep, bleep (laughs) playing football here and telling us we're all crap. And, uh, and so the club said, look, we've got to get Zlatan to apologize. And so I had to do the interview with Zlatan. And there we did the interview, asking the same three questions. Um, me restructuring questions, asking a different way, just trying to get him to say, "Sorry, I'm sorry mm. for saying what I said about your country." Yep. You know, he started off just by saying, "What am I going to say sorry for? I pay more tax in this country than any other person. <laughs> I am the the one that helps this country more than anyone, and I don't want to be a role model. I'm a football player." Mm. And he, Zlatan, was always. In, and is incredibly intelligent as well. Oh, yeah. Don't be fooled by no, that. No, no. He's a smart cookie that knows exactly what he's on about. And so we finally got him to say, look, and he, 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 he structured it to say, I'm sorry if any young kids that, that look up to me saw that and, and were a bit upset with the, what I had said. It's not, a, it's not a good thing. And the club took it, took about 
25 seconds of what he'd said and played it the next day. And he saw it and thought it had been taken out of context. And he was furious. And he didn't talk to me, like, in an official capacity, refused to do interviews, blanked us, even quite aggressively blanked us <laughs> on camera, um, saying that he would not talk to us because he, he felt like he'd just been traitored, betrayed by the by the club. And so it got a little bit hairy. And then finally he came around and, and, and we got on fine again. So, yeah, but funny, you don't, don't mess with certain elements in a, in a changing room like that either. Thiago Mota, tough guy, brilliant footballer. Wow. Give him some space occasionally. <laughs> Thompson is our guest on FNR's state of our football nation. One of the new commentary team that uh, is making a difference uh, for uh, CBS Viacom, Paramount plus and channel 10. Exciting times. You got the Matildas coming up, my friend. Brilliant. And, and they're not playing just anybody. They're playing the number one team in the world. Uh, you Absolutely. Ready? I noticed uh, you sent them to Taronga Park Zoo <laughs> just to, to feel a little uh, more comfortable with all the, the animals. W- what are we expecting on the weekend? Well, it's a new look USA team, but they are, without a doubt, they are the strongest team in world football. I think Canada may have won the, the gold medal at the Olympics. Sweden mm. got second. And perhaps... This is what we're seeing, a transition phase. But I worked for FIFA TV at the World Cup in 2019 in France, and the the US team was just untouchable. And what was so incredible about it, and I think is something for, for the Australian team to look up for, and I think the Australian girls do look up to what the American team has achieved, um, they were just so competitive, so focused, so sure of themselves. Everything you'd say about a men's football team was personified in this USA women's team. They, they were there to win. They knew they were the best players like Megan Rapino, um, Alex Morgan, mm. Carly Lloyd, the multiple world champions, multiple Olympic gold medalists. And they were there talking about this culture, this winning culture. So it's a new look team. There are a couple of players there, um, Rose Lavelle, Lindsay Horan, who I knew from PSG days. Um, she's coming out. She's a fantastic footballer. So, look, Australia is going to get a lesson, not on the football pitch, but a lesson in, in what it takes to be the very best. They're going to see this culture because they're bringing through new players ready for the World Cup in Australia in 2023, Australia and New Zealand. And this American team, they're starting to build now. Two years out, they know they're going to... Perhaps the Olympics, they struggled a little bit. They've said, okay, now we change things up. And they're going to build this team for the next year and a half, the next two years, to be ready for the World Cup. It's impressive, and I hope the fans that go out there, a record crowd, hopefully uh, on Saturday afternoon to see the Matildas. And it's going to be a brilliant contest because the Matildas are getting stronger and stronger. The Matildas are going to have that home support. But boy, them, we know that Australia loves them. It's going to be a, a fantastic contest. Robbie, uh, I don't come from a, a football supporting family, and I'm slowly converting them, slowly <laughs> pushing the uh, the old. Propaganda. I don't either. I don't either. I don't know where I got it from. <laughs> yeah, nor do I. But uh, one player in the Matildas who's who's helped, uh, I think, on that that journey of of discovering the beautiful game for my family is Ellie Carpenter, mm. because they just love her her spirit. You know, she gets knocked down, she gets up again, but. I mean, she's exhilarating when played in a natural position at right back, and I think that's something that the Matildas coach has learned recently to, to not shift her too much from there because she's so effective going forward. And she plays for Olympic Lyonnais uh, mm-hmm. in France, uh, one of the great dynasties of women's football. Just how good do you have to be to make it in that environment? 
You have to, to play for Olympic Lyonnais, you have to be very, very, very good. Without doubt, one of the, the best in the world. Before the Americans all got repatriated back to the United States, Rapino played for, for Olympic Lyonnais. They won five UEFA Champions League titles in a row before last season. Um, to play for Olympic Lyonnais is, is something very special. And Ellie Carpenter won. They had a difficult year last year. They lost mm. the league to Paris Saint-Germain. They were eliminated from the Champions League early. And Ellie Carpenter, with her spirit, just won everyone over. There, she was, at, without a doubt, the best right back in the country. France is a fully professional league that has been for, for a number of years before the new money in the English Women's Premier League, which is a, a fantastic league as well and is probably going to overtake the French League. But, but Olympic Lyonnais are the best team in women's football. They have the best players in women's football. And Ellie Carpenter is part of that. It's like playing for, for Barcelona or Real Madrid or Juventus in the women's game. And she is there and she is one of the leaders in that side. Uh, Saturday, the game in the afternoon on what channel? 3 p.m. on 10 Bold. Okay, which is one of the terrestrial channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it's, it's on for young and old. And who's your uh, co-commentator? My co-commentator is Georgia, uh-huh. who's a five-time Matilda and uh, defender for formerly of the Western Sydney Wanderers. So Georgia will be uh, in the hot seat next to me. I'm looking forward to that as well because, shit, I know it's fantastic to – to have a woman calling the women's game, women's game as well, and uh, especially one with that kind of knowledge and insight. The women's football, women footballers are a, a fantastic breed of person as well that call it straight, that have, that have more than just a, an idea about the game. They have an idea about what it means to other girls and to a, to a whole movement to be part of something special. So It'll be fantastic to get her insight as well. Uh, I hope we can get you back on, uh, if not a regular uh, contribution, a semi-regular way, because we have so much to learn, not only for, for your love of the game, but where you guys are doing what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're helping to shape a whole new era in the game. Very exciting for us. Uh, FNR is part of that journey too. Uh, Absolutely. feel like you've got friends here. Thank you very much on short notice to come in and join us, and we apologise for the technical different, uh, dif- difficulties. All that, my fault. That took I'm a, a technical time. nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Fantastic Thompson. Fantastic gentleman. Thank you very All much. All the very best. There you go. The, the main game on Saturday afternoon, it's the Matildas up, the, up against the Americans, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see Gustafsson, how he sets up the team and what the Americans throw at the Australians. And, of course, looking to see the numbers in, in the crowd. It'll be fantastic. Thank you, Robbie. Really appreciate all the contribution. Well done. And uh, we got a chance to reminisce and do a few things. Have we got time for Chris Pilevanis? I think we might just be able to sneak him in, Chris Fantastic. Pilevanis. So okay. uh, we'll get the Western United CEO on the other side of this break. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Back on air, back at the studio. Uh, Still, the gremlins persist. 
We've had our moments. We've had a couple of special guests. We started with Sky Sports' Jason Pine. Uh, we went via Zoom to New Zealand and caught up with him. Then we caught up with Robbie Thompson, who's a tremendous uh, uh, character, loves the game, is one of the new guys, part of the commentary team at uh, CBS Viacom, Paramount Plus, Channel 10. That's a mouthful in itself. And so the program is going over time, and we can do that because Josh is running the ship. And when he's got license to thrill... And, you know, he's on cruise control. Actually, yeah, we can just keep pushing the envelope, Chris. It's something you as CEO of, Mel- uh, of Western United would love to do five days out of every seven, wouldn't you? Yeah, why not? No, I mean, welcome, mate. I mean, Josh, welcome, guys, and uh, welcome to all the guests as well. And thanks for having me on again. And, um, Josh, I'm in your hands. You can We can run as long as you want. <laughs> no, look, for us, it's an opportunity to find out what's going on. Uh, the season has got underway. You didn't get the result you wanted, uh, but you did get 8,500 people rock up to GMHBA. Uh, uh, what did you make of the uh, the turnout? What did you make also of the ground? Uh, they're undergoing some, some massive changes there too, aren't they? Yeah, look, I mean, Geelong, we all know what Geelong is. It's a big stadium. Um, it's a re- oval stadium. They're obviously um, expanding it for the AFL. Um, you know, I, I'm to be cut long story short, I'm a big fan of rectangular stadiums for our code. So the quicker we have more rectangular stadiums for our code, the better, because even if you have 15,000 seats stand like we're building, but, I mean, a couple more in the state, it just means when you get eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 in there, the place is rocking. Mm. Um, but, look, the atmosphere was good. Look, there's a lot of constraints for people coming into stadiums these days. You know, you've got COVID. You've got, you know, 90% vaccination, which means some people are not vaccinated and not coming. So you need to have your both your jabs. You need to have uh, – so that's the kids above 12 years old need to have both vaccinations. You, need, you know, there's COVID. There's a lot of people isolating. You can't buy tickets at the door. Yep. You know, um, it, it's still – People are not comfortable coming out yet because there is a lot of COVID in the community. Um, so there's all these impediments. You know, 7.45 kickoff wasn't probably family friendly. Um, it was in Geelong. So a lot of victory fans don't come down to Geelong and, and we understand. So if you put all those impediments, I thought 8,500 was a good crowd. Um, but, you know, it's also the new A-League. It's starting. People, it's not on, you know, people's forefront of their mind yet. So we're only going to get stronger, I think. As a league, especially leading into early next year, when 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 um, we iron out a lot of the issues we're having, even with broadcast and all that sort of stuff, but um, it's an exciting league. I think the product I saw a few games. I think it's gone to another level again. Um, our game was a very cagey affair. Um, I thought we defended extremely well. Um, a little bit unlucky on the result. We hate losing to Melbourne Victory, but <laughs> someone's got to. You know, it can happen, but. Um, I, I was really excited and really uh, enthusiastic about this, you know, what we saw out there from a Western United perspective. And I think um, we should be, you know, John and the team have done a really good team to good, um, done all the hard work and set the culture up for us to have a successful season. So I'm really confident. Well, we saw a little cameo from uh, Alexander Priovich off the bench. I mean, when he's up and running, it's a it's a fearsome prospect for A League defences, and uh, you still got some some bits and pieces to integrate. Uh, Rene Krahin still recovering from the uh, the weight he lost in in hotel quarantine. Yeah, and it's not a yeah. It's also you know two weeks of doing nothing. So mm. um, so, so some of these individuals will take a little bit more time to gel. Um, 
uh, you know, if you looked at our team that was out there, you know, when we signed Alexander Rene, you would have thought they would be our two, you know, two of our more important players in the squad. So um, we've got a lot of improvement to do. But from our perspective, every single player that wears the West United, you know, it doesn't matter um, who they are, they're important to us and, and we'll ensure that, you know, we're putting a strong side out every week. So um, a little bit disappointing, but yeah, as you said, when Alex and Rene enter that squad as well, it gives us a lot more depth and a lot more weapons and, and we know we're going to be in the pointy end of the season. Who do you play this week? Perth Glory tomorrow night. So Daniel Sturridge is in town. Exciting. Um, you know, first time in Melbourne for Daniel Sturridge. Hopefully all the Liverpool fans come out. I'm a bit of a Liverpool fan as myself. So hopefully they all come out and, and come and watch the A-League. And, hang on, hang on. Um, Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea. He, he's got the whole EPL covered. Well, he does, but I think he... You know, he, he spent most of his time at Liverpool in terms of the damage he did. So it'd be exciting to, you know, get all EPL fans out there. And um, the more fans that come to our game, the better. I think it's important that, um, you know, we've got a lot of football fans in the community, but for some reason they don't come to the games. Now, I don't know what that is, not only for us, I think for um, even for, you know, City and for Victory. We need all these teams to be strong. Um, we love our game. We just need people to start coming and supporting it because supporting the A-League means our code will become stronger, means grassroots will become stronger. Um, and that's why we do what we do. You know, we all love the game. I know you guys are passionate about it equally as I am. Um, but we need people to start supporting us. Uh, Combank Stadium in Sydney has been a revelation and a magnificent new facility. And it's equally interesting that the fans have uh, accepted it so quickly and have jumped on board. We need a stadium too, another stadium other than Amy. Uh, when is yours likely now? And any word on when they're going to turn the uh, first sod of soil? Well, works of commands. I mean, they commenced uh, yesterday, so I'm happy to announce that. But we'll have some official pictures coming out of coming out of sight tomorrow, um, with an official event probably in two to three weeks' time of a sod turning event. Reality was we didn't want to delay the event anymore um, because of COVID. It's really important we get the right people there, but planning such an event is nearly impossible with all the restrictions. So. Um, we made a decision to start work and then we'll have an event later in the piece closer to Christmas, um, which doesn't really mean anything other than works have started, which is probably the most significant thing in our club's history. Um, you know, with works commencing, we're really excited and um, we will, you will see some first pictures of off-site on, uh, from tomorrow onwards. And do we and, have an address? Um, yeah, oh, now you got me. But yeah, it's Sayers Road. It's it's, it's not a, it's, it's it's a city. It's not let alone an address. But um, we, when you go out on side on Sayers Road, you will um you can see it's a clearly marked out, and we've even got some of our um, merchant uh, uh, you know branding out there as well. But um, the guys have now started work, and um, I think it'll be pretty easy to see the site when we go out there. So I've, I've had exciting, a friend of mine. Um, I've had a friend of mine badgering me for weeks, saying. Get the address. Get the G, the GPS positioning. Uh, I want to. I want to. He's a he's a fanatic. Les Street. He's a fanatic uh, when it comes to Stadia and the history and and what makes them different. Um, and he can't wait to see your stadium open. Uh, he too, like you, believes that uh, a rectangular stadium for the uh, game of football is ideal. Uh, and I had him with me. I remember when we were doing the early series of Feels to Dream on Fox. 
and everywhere we went, he would start you know, measuring tape. He would start going to see what the back room was doing and if there was a cellar or if there was an attic and all that sort of stuff. He is meticulous. Um, so oh, we'll have he'll, to get he'll him be, out on site. We'll chuffed. have to get him on site in the next couple of weeks so he can uh, uh, give us some advice potentially. Well, let me tell you, he'll probably bring his camera because he likes the time-lapse stuff. He likes to record every segment so that down the track he can say, look what I've got, a compilation yeah package. So that's something for you guys to keep on board, especially because it'll be a, a moment in history when that stadium is complete and uh, that opening day, that will be quite something. Um, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Aloisi, how's he fitting in? Uh, he's, he's fantastic. Um, he's, uh, you know, he set an amazing culture into the organisation and that's why I'm so confident that West United's on the right path. Um, I couldn't be more happier with John's appointment. Um, such a great person to work with um you know i say this and and the, the honest truth is it's given everyone at the club brought back the enjoyment and, and it's you know john's had a big role to play in that like a lot of other people like mel um, and myself you know we, we've we've had a big off season but we've you know everyone at the club has now got a lot of smiles on their faces and and i know we're in the right we're down going down the right path and that's what i'm excited about you know, results will happen. You know, like on the weekend, we might not get the result we wanted, but um, that's not that's not the only measurement of success for me. I, I can see we're doing a lot of hard work, and their foundations have been set. Um, and you know, we're on a journey together. And I think over the next two to three years, we'll see um, this club get to where we want to get to. We're a very ambitious club. Um, you'll see with our signings and the people, the caliber of people we're bringing to our club. Um, people might not know who Alexander Prilovic is, but if you go and have a look at his CV, you now he was playing in Russia at the World Cup with Serbia only two years ago. Um, he was sold two years ago for 10 million euros from a Greek team to a Saudi team. Um, these are kind of players we're attracting in our club because they want to be part of our journey. And, you know, it's people that are ready for a fight, you know, representing the West, you know, hard work. We're ready to build something from the ground up and make the people of the West proud. And I think... Um, when you get to know our story a little bit more and when we get a chance to tell the community a little bit more, um, people are going to start joining us and, and be part of that journey with us. Well, speaking of that Greek club that he, he tore it up for over in the Super League, uh, we saw him holding a Payok banner at, out in the western suburbs the other day with Johnny Anastasiadis. <laughs> yeah, and there's a big connection. Look, I'm a Payok fan as well, and there's a big connection. And, you know, once you're Payok, you never forget that. And so he's got the roots. He's Payok for life. And um, we've got some good conversations happening with the, the club in Melbourne and, um, you know, we'll, we'll do some events together and um, hopefully some of their fans start to join our journey as well. And um, you never know, we might also have some great synergies with the club in Greece, which we made initial contact with them. And, and hopefully there's some future things we can do together and um, have a bit of a bit of an, you know, open line of communication and, you know, share some ideas and you never know, could eventuate in a game together one day. Our guest on State of Our Football Nation, Chris Pelavanis, the CEO of Western United. Uh, one of your uh, new signings, a uh, young guy called Ben Garuccio, who uh, we've known for quite some time, uh, was pretty impressive last night making his debut in the green room. What did you make of it? Uh, Benny, Benny's a special talent and someone that I've... Um, you know, followed his journey from the old Melbourne Heart days, and and someone not only as a player but as a human, and um, he, he's uh, someone that 
has got a lot he's got a lot of charisma and also got a lot of um brings a lot of energy to the room so i think he was fantastic and um you know you can see the quality of individuals we're bringing into the organization both on and off the field um, so no, Benny's Benny's good and uh, he's doing well. Most importantly, on the field, and you know, he had a bit of a setback a couple of years ago with an injury. Yep. But I think we'll see the best of Benny hopefully this year. Well, speaking of local supporters clubs, Matt, connections with maybe Heart of Midlothian should be on the checklist. <laughs> I know Lockie Flanagan, our uh, Hearts fan in chief, was very excited <laughs> about Benny joining us on the green room. Last I, night. I didn't realise Ben Garuccio had so many Melbourne Heart shirts to give away. <laughs> not not <laughs> Melbourne Heart, George. Oh, I'm sorry. Edinburgh, heart uh, of oh, Edinburgh. There you go. There yes. you go. It's just that I, I can't get one heart out of out of my mind. That's that's what it is. But no, it's great to see uh, Lockie was. Uh, I think sideswiped. Didn't didn't see Ben Garuccio coming until he arrived. So it was perfect. Uh, great setup by Josh Parrish. Uh, listen, uh, all the very best on the weekend. Uh, what time's the game? 7.45 uh, start? 7.45 tomorrow. Um, and then we've also got a big game next week as well with Melbourne City. We've, you know, another, mm. um, the first, well, it's not the first Melbourne derby, but it's the first one at Amy Park. And so, again, I know it's not our home game, but we're going to do everything we can to promote that because um, I'm a big believer that we need to, you know, work together as clubs to um, grow these rivalries off the on the park and off the park so we can, you know, start filling these stadiums again back where we want the game to be. So um, hopefully both sets of fans get there next week and, you know, we get a decent crowd and get the confidence back in the consumer to start attending these games and, you know, bring some smiles on all the boys and girls' faces. So that's that's our aim as well. So big couple of weeks coming up and, um, you know, let's um, everyone get behind the A-League. Uh, just before we let you go, um, Keep Up is the new part of the hub that is pushing the game, uh, social media-wise and, and beyond that. There's even, I think, has each club got a channel? Is that how it works? Well, it's a bit, we're on the same platform. Each kind of club has their own app. Um, it, it's a centralised, you know, what we're hub. trying to do, a hub to yep. get all the, all the football content, so all the football lovers in, this, in, in Australia have one single point um, of reference. Right. The benefit of that is, you know, we know there's fans out there that love, you know, the La Liga, love the EPL, love European football, Asian football. We want to bring it all into the same. Um, we need people that love football to start to come to taste the A-League because we believe our product mm. is going to get better and even over the next couple of years. And I personally believe it's, you know, this year, it's taken a massive step forward. Um, with some of the signings that have come to this league, um, even in a COVID environment, I know I know that the foundations for not only our club, but a lot of the clubs are strong. And I suspect that over the next couple of years, we'll get even stronger. So it's important. Um, and we know, all know how the world works now. Um, you know, we have to have a digital mindset. So it's important that we all funnel all the football lovers to this to these sites. Uh, and then from there, hopefully the content and, and we can get the consumer to start loving the A-League as well. Fantastic stuff. Chris Belvanis, thanks so much for joining us and uh, best of luck on Friday night. Thanks a lot. And I promise next time we're going to do it in studio so we can have a bit more fun. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Take care, guys. Thanks again for the support. No worries Take at all. Care. Chris Pelovanis, the CEO of Western United. And as you can see, they're getting ready for a very important game against Perth Glory. Uh, have you got an early prediction? Ooh, I think Western United are actually in good shape for that one. Uh, I know Perth rested players for their midweek game and sent the reserves, but 
I don't think Sturridge is quite up and running yet. He only played Correct. eight minutes, including stoppage time. Fauna Rolly obviously is in great <sighs> nick. Um, but I, I don't. How fit does he look? He looks, he looks really fit. Uh, maybe just having uh, Sturridge barking at his, and nipping his heels is a good motivation for Bruno. But um, I, I think Western United playing at home with Perth with all the travel that they have to do, and just this new group of players not quite gelling yet. I, th- I see some imbalances in terms of their recruitment and some uh, tactical systems that have to be sorted out to fit their best players on the park at once. At the moment, they don't have that. They're playing 5-4-1 with two of their most high-profile recruits, the Spaniard who's come over. Sitting down. And, of course, Sturridge sitting on the bench. And I think mm. that's probably going to be the same on Friday night. So I don't yeah. think they pose as much of a forward threat as they could um, because it's a tough ask for Richard Garcia, having only worked with these guys for a short amount of time, especially Sturridge, to work out how to fit three pieces, and all four including Andy Keogh, into a functioning, coherent team. Is, is Sturridge... A possible uh, chance of getting 15 minutes? I think 15 is on the table. 30 might be on the table. Who knows? Okay. Um, he's not going to start. That's all. No, 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 no. So, um, I, I think he'll he'll get a, at least a cameo. But Do you play him with Fornaroli? I think so. I, th- I think that the Daniel Sturridge's best football Compliment. came playing off Luis Suarez at Liverpool and playing in a strike pairing. Um, but how do you fit that tactically with the rest of what Perth has available? I mean, there's Sardinero, uh, who some people have pinned as number 10, but if you look at his you know, transfer market data, and, and he's, he's actually played more on the wing or up front. Uh-huh. So then there's three out-and-out strikers, and that becomes tough. So it's a, it's a bit of a balancing about, yeah, act. Yeah, okay. Bravo. Um, what about uh, what did you make of uh, the uh, victory uh, winning the FFA Cup game against, as you say, a largely junior glory team oh, they on made hard, penalties? They made hard work of it, didn't they? <laughs> I know it was a rotated victory team as well, but this was the Perth glory NPL side, and they went all the way to penalty kicks. Uh, Jared Tyson, the reserve goalkeeper, ended up being villain well, hero turned villain turned hero after <laughs> he sprayed his penalty wide and then made another save to win it for them, but... Uh, it was a slog that game, and I think uh, Robbie Thompson uh, would be happy with his draw, getting the Sydney oh, Olympic Sydney game instead. Well, well Marden, Marden, for those that, you, that don't know, is you know is outside of, of Adelaide. It's uh, one of the suburbs of Adelaide. It's a terrific ground, but 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 it's not uh, uh, Hindmarsh. Uh, it's certainly not Cooper's Stadium. Um, so again, the atmosphere very different, and it was a neutral venue for uh, two teams yeah, outside yeah, yeah. of Adelaide. So yeah, you're never yeah, going to yeah. get that many fans. There Correct. were about four or five victory fans who turned up to great fanfare from the club social wow. media. But, wow, you know. So it brings a whole new meaning to the term for fuck's sake. <laughs> we were there. We were there. We were there. Um, okay, what did you make of the? Um, we spoke with Robbie uh, just as we tidy this up this week. The uh, Sydney Olympic uh, playing Sydney game, the FFA Cup game. Uh, Good turnout at Belmore, yep. which is not essentially a football ground. It's a rugby league ground. But again, it is rectangular. Uh, the conditions were awful. Uh, good numbers turned up for an FFA Cup game. Yeah, it was a great, great night out, out at, uh, at that ground. An Olympic-led. You know, and it was, a, it was a great occasion when you see the chance of an upset, when there's a live possibility. Too many of these games recently, due to myriad factors, sided. have been very one-sided. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, the only negative to come out of it is Luke Bratton's potential ACL injury, which could really harm Sydney's chances this season. However, if it does turn out that, you know, the worst, um, you know, knock on wood, the worst comes for Luke Bratton, they do have Neuvenhoff in reserve, who showed a lot before his injury mm-hmm. last season. Cost him. 
Yeah, so you know there might be a straight swap there, and and Sydney could could recover. Um, and just before we wrap this up, there's one young guy who played for Brisbane Raw last week at mm-hmm. Amy Park. Came in about the 60, 67th minute. Luke Ivanovic. Yeah, yeah. What do you make of him? Oh, well, he's another of those Sydney FC youngsters who had to fly the coop to get first team football. Which they're producing a lot of a lot of talented sure, players. Sure, I mean, sure. look at Devlin, Marco Tilio. Yeah. Tilio, a lot of the guys have almost been victims of the success of this mm. experienced first team squad and the continual push for championships, and they haven't been blooded because the team is already flying on the park. And you see most of the youngsters actually play for the teams in the lower half of the table. Correct, correct. There's less less risk putting them into these big games, uh, which is maybe a problem in the league. But uh, certainly um, when he's turned up at Brisbane Raw and been given an opportunity, he's shown... He can contribute, and I think he's in line for a start this week. Uh, you could see in the post-match presser that Warren Moon regretted not starting him. He, he just he has that. He, I was going to say he has that uh, speed. He's got he's, he's got enough height, mm. and he's I think he's got a sharp football brain. Yeah, he gets into those little spots. He just drifted, just behind. I think it was uh, Reish and uh, Galloway. Just drifted between them. And the ball was a beautiful delivery, and uh, he, he didn't miss. The goalkeeper nearly got a hand to it, but uh, there you go. I think he and Mila Uznic swap roles. Ivanovic is the starter, and Mila Uznic, with his roadrunner breakneck pace in transition... Bring him in uh, late. Bring him in late. It's an impact player. Exactly. I, I think uh, those those two should swap roles, and then Brisbane... I mean, I'm, I'm really high on Warren Moon as a coach. Yes. And Brisbane's midfield, I think Steinman, O'Shea, Akbari is a lovely mix of attributes. And, you know, I, I think they're – well, I picked them to finish third this season. So, obviously, <laughs> I, uh, I've had I think a it's a good call. I, I, I thought uh, the one thing I couldn't discount at any stage in that game at Amy Park last Friday – was Raw never gave it away. Mm. Even when they copped two goals in about three minutes, um, they didn't drop their bundle. They were disciplined throughout. Yes, there was a window where they two chances and they were taken. And, and you know, congratulations to, to the, the two openings and well done to City. But, and then they, after the half time, I think they got into spots and really disrupted City's play. Yes, there were changes to City's lineup. Because mm-hmm. you know PK decided he was going to bring some of the youngsters in, um, but they got disrupted by a pretty disciplined Brisbane roar. So I think your early call is a damn good call. It's funny that two of the teams who lost on the weekend, or maybe three if you include Western United, but certainly Newcastle and, and Brisbane, even though they went down, I felt they had their reputations enhanced by their performances. Uh, because very they're very entertaining. I think Newcastle, whatever happens for the Jets this season, their games are going to be appointment viewing because they take risks. <laughs> yeah. They are live wise. They've got Becker, Mikkel Tadze up front screaming at the ref, and well, you know, you, they've you, got Daniel Pena who takes shots from halfway. And... I remember early in the conversation uh, today when in the studio before we went to air, you remarked how disappointed you were that so many teams are, are, are almost com- are demanding their players not to dribble. Yeah. Yeah? Play this very structured football. You get it and you deliver it quickly and uh, and then back up. Uh, and the, those sides have a couple of players that play outside, a more expansive game. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, that's really, makes for really appealing watching, doesn't it? 
It does indeed. It's no surprise. And it sometimes taking risks leads to mistakes, like with, with Matt Yerman and Costa Grosas getting their, into their mix-up that gave away a goal for Central oh. Coast. So they will pay the price at times, but uh, coaches like Warren Moon and Arthur Pappas, who, who live life on the edge, yes. I think make our league a better product and more entertaining to Certainly watch. Certainly a more entertaining one. And, Absolutely. you know, I think the ceiling for those teams is higher if it all comes together. Well done. Well said. Uh, thanks for your support. Uh, a, a super extended program uh, for a number of reasons. Um, not to do all with Gremlins, but with some special guests. Jason Pine, who started it off. Then, of course, Robbie Thompson from Channel 10, who is part of the new commentary team. And then, of course, at the end, the CEO of Western United, Chris Pilavanis, with the, with the big news that they, they, they turned the first sod yesterday uh, for the brand new stadium, which promises to be a game changer. And uh, to all those who have been wondering, uh, yes, it's underway, finally. Yeah, so let's get on with it. Let's get behind the game. Um, we've said too often that there are too many fractured pieces. Well, there's a reason why there are so many panels on a football. Yeah, time to bring them all together uh, because it makes for a much, much more exciting and engrossing season. And if we can get right behind it and let's see how the FFA Cup, you know, prospers because there are some delicious and um, um, and mouth-watering contests coming up. I believe there's a delayed game between Apia Leichhardt and um, uh, I can't remember who they were going to play. Um, it, it was delayed because of a COVID scare. Mm. And I think the game is going, is it going to meet tomorrow, Arpia Leichhardt? You caught me on the hop here, George. That's all right. Uh, um, I occasionally do that. Oh, I apologise for that. <laughs> you know you know who uh, I'm very excited to see? No. Is Adelaide oh. City playing Melbourne Victory in the next round. Oh. Champions of South Australia well, uh, with some, well. some prospects in that team who I believe should be in the A-League, including Lockie Barr, the central defender, who was at Heidelberg not too long ago. I think he's well overlooked. Look, I get a feeling, I get a feeling, I get a feeling, um, I get a feeling uh, that um, there is some serious talent that needs to be distributed and given an opportunity to play. And I've just got a, from Football Australia, they've confirmed the latest match dates and kickoff times for the FFA Cup. Uh, FFA Cup 2021 fixtures to be held in the first eight days of December. Get a load of this. On the 2nd of December, Tigers FC will take on Arpia Leichhardt. So it's the, the round of 32 meeting at Seaford Oval in Queanbeyan. That's in New South Wales. The fixture was meant to be uh, scheduled for, um, uh, I think, last night. That was the confusion I had. It, it, it was relayed or delayed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Now it's been rescheduled to the 2nd of December. Yep. The winner of Tigers and, and Arpia Leichhardt will then host uh, the Wanderers on Tuesday, the 7th of December at a venue and a kickoff still to be confirmed. Uh, confirmed also that Adelaide City will host uh, the Isuzu Ute A-Men, uh, A-League Men's Giants um, uh, Melbourne victory at Marden Sports Complex victory next back to Wednesday. Again. Next Wednesday in South Australia. That's the uh, round of thirty-two. Um, well, they West defeated United, well Perth Glory Phoenix on penalties, as you round. said. Yep. And also last night, as we saw, Sydney FC defeated Sydney Olympic four-two. The Sky Blues now go. Where do you think? Sky Blues are going to play Macarthur. Yeah, on at the eighth at Cogra at and at Strata Jubilee Stadium, and that's uh, uh, in December. So it's it's happening. Uh, the first week of December promises to be some seriously exciting mm. FFA Cup action, and because of 
the uh, ongoing challenges that COVID has thrown up over the last couple of years to the game, in fact, a sport all over the world, um, they're doing the best they can. But I, I, again, before we leave, we need to pay homage and, and say a big thank you to not only South Melbourne, but also to Sydney Olympic and all their players and, and staff that managed to get their players up and ready for two important games. And they did not, I repeat, did not disappoint. Uh, the results may not have turned out as they would have liked, but uh, by golly, when you think about it, part-timers mm. asked to take on teams that are in the be- beginnings of their major competition, and the NPL hasn't played for months. No. So I think, I think uh, above and beyond, tremendous uh, congratulations all around. Uh, catch you next week on State of Our Football Nation. On behalf of Josh and myself, see you then. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.